the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, when you deny yourself, remind yourself that to keep is to lose, but to lose is to keep. To gain is to forfeit, to forfeit is to gain. Give your life to Jesus Christ and his gospel, the advancement of his kingdom, and you'll find life in all its dimensions. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. We're glad to have you with us today as we open God's Word and continue our study through the Gospel of Mark. You know, the Christian life is a paradox. We receive life through death and victory through surrender. And today, Philip DeCourcy shows us how we gain everything by losing it all. He's challenging us to consider the true cost of following Christ. Let's join Philip for the exciting conclusion of a message titled, Terms and Conditions. The way of the cross is the Christian way. And we'll be reminded of the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When Jesus said, come, follow me, he bids a man come and die. That's why, my friend, I want to say to you, don't come to Jesus if you want an easy life. Following Jesus Christ will be costly. It will be worth it. It's glorious. It's magnificent in the experience of it and in where it leads. But make no mistake about it. The life of the Christian is the path of suffering and the path of sacrifice. These are the terms and conditions of the kingdom of God. So don't come to Jesus if you want an easy life. So let's look at this passage. There's three things if you're taking notes. Mark chapter 8. Jesus says, first of all, deny yourself. That's verse 34. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. I think what we've got in this statement is the extent to which you're willing to deny yourself. It's the extent to which Jesus may ask you to deny yourself. How far would you want me to go, Lord? Certainly means that you crucify your ambition and your will. Like Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. Now, let me come back to a thought here, what it's not. Again, we misunderstand this text. Take up your cross. It's not a bad and a lousy job. That's not your cross. It's not a nagging spice or a difficult marriage. It's not a series of migraine headaches or some form of physical ailment. It's none of those things. That's not the cross we're called to bear. But when we talk about those things, and there's nothing pleasant about those, I'm not belittling those. 
But that's not what this text is about. It's something fundamentally more than that. Much more. This is the extent to which we should deny ourselves. See, back in that time, the cross was an instrument of death. Crucifixion was known among the Greeks and the Persians, but the Romans had kind of modified it to a place of perfection in terms of public humiliation and deterrent against opposition because it produced maximum torture, maximum humility, and it sent a grave message out to anybody that thought about raising a fist in the face of Rome, usually at a public place. Because you see, they wanted maximum humiliation. They wanted the populace that they had subjected to oppression to understand this is what happens when you mess with Rome. The image is graphic. And that's the image Jesus uses. I want you to deny yourself. I want you to put to death self-will, self-ambition, self-love, self-pleasure, I want you to fully surrender your will and your life to me. You're now to become a living sacrifice for my cause. You see, the cross was the end of life. And in that sense, it was the end of a life that was lived in rebellion against Rome. And the cross is that image to say that when we come to Christ and take up our cross, when we give our lives to him, it's an end to the life that was lived in rebellion to God. Secondly, we're not only to deny ourselves, we're to debate ourselves. Debate yourself. This is the next point. Look at verse 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, Jesus here is giving his followers motivations to take up the cross. Because that cross, in its implication, is scary. It demands everything. All we are, all that we have, we're pointing in one direction. We're not looking back. We have no plans for ourselves. And you know what? As we set out to take that cross up, self will insert itself into the conversation and go, but hold on a minute. Isn't this a little radical? Can't you get away with less? You know what? Self will remind you of the importance of pleasing, protecting, and promoting yourself. In verse 35, 36, and 37, Jesus helps us to argue with ourselves. Okay? He's brought us to the cross. We're understanding the implication of now coming after him. The Christian life is not easy. It's demanding. It's costly. And now, when we're about to step forward, a debate will take place. Is it worth it? and will be challenged to step back, but Jesus gives us reasons to step forward. He reminds us, don't save your life, or you'll lose it. Don't gain the world, or you'll forfeit your soul. He wants to remind us what's at stake. Yes, suffering, but then glory. Yes, crucifixion, but then exaltation. We see that in his life, right? He became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. But God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Philippians 2, 5 to 11. And then you've got Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. 
He endured the cross, listen, and he despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. That's what Jesus is trying to remind his disciples here. To save your life. That is to preserve your comfort and your ease. Not to follow the demands that Jesus Christ will put upon your life. To step away from that is to lose life, ultimately. But give your life to Jesus Christ and his gospel, the advancement of his kingdom, and you'll find life in all its dimensions. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, when you deny yourself, debate with yourself, remind yourself that to keep is to lose, but to lose is to keep. To gain is to forfeit, to forfeit is to gain. Folks, that's where we're at here. Discipleship must be underwritten by a strong conviction and belief that the glory of Christ and the glory that will come through denying yourself and following him is worth it. That's what First Peter's about. I don't have time to take you there, but read all of First Peter, and you'll see this kind of pattern of, yes, you're suffering now, the present trials now, but think about the glory that will be revealed when he comes back. And you've got this pattern in the Lord Jesus who suffered and then enjoyed glory. And that's the pattern. And you and I have got to keep that to the forefront of our thinking. And when self asserts itself into a conversation about our next decision of dedication and sacrifice for the sake of Jesus, we have got to debate with ourselves and deny ourselves and shut ourselves up in the light of the glory that awaits those who live for Jesus Christ. Because to save your life is to lose it. To lose it is to find it. To gain the world is to forfeit the life to come. I mean, that's the fool, right? In Luke 12, we quoted it earlier. I'm going to enjoy my life. I want to sit down. I'm going to enter into the fruits of all my labor and hard work. And God says, hold on a minute, buddy. I'm in charge. Tonight, I want your soul. The soul that I give you, it's required. It's a commercial term. It's to take back what was given. I want back what I give you. And you spent it on yourself. You're a fool. And you're going to lose out in the life to come. And Jesus says, so is the man of the woman who's not rich towards God. Let's be generous in our dedication. Generous in our sacrifice. Because the trade-off and the payback is worth it. That's why you've got Matthew 13, 44. We won't go there. But you know the story, right? Of the man who is out walking in a field and he finds a treasure. And he looks around and there's nobody in the field. And so he buries the treasure. And he doesn't let on. And he goes and he liquidates all his assets. He sells his own property so that he can go and buy the property in which is the treasure. And all of his friends think he's crazy. None of this computes. Doesn't look like a payoff. What, you're selling your house? Your three-car garage? Your Porsche? I mean, what's up, buddy? He says, I have a little bit of a hunch on what that feels worth. While inside he's laughing because his friends don't understand what he understands. There's a treasure there and it is vastly more valuable than anything I have or will ever have. So I'm going to give everything I have for it. And Jesus says, so is the kingdom of God. And when someone gives up a career in medicine to go to the mission field, or if someone stands up for Jesus and loses friends and popularity, everybody goes, are you crazy? But inside, in the midst of the pain, and none of that's easy, you're going to go, the joke's on you, my friend, because I'm giving up for something far more valuable. 
isn't that what drove Jim Elliott, who was murdered by the Orca Indians in 1956 in Ecuador? He went down to a tribe of headhunters. Crazy. Yeah, if your measurement is comfort and ease and self-preservation. But if you're living for his sake and the gospel's sake, then you're willing to lose your life to find it. And that's why Jim Elliott, as a student at Wheaton College, said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that's why he suppressed his fear. That's why in those days leading up to his martyrdom, he prayed, Father, take my life, yea, my blood, if thou wilt, and consume it with thine enveloping fire. I would not save it, for it is not mine to save. Have it, Lord, have it all. Pour out my life as an oblation for the world. How can he pray that? And how can he live it out in martyrdom where his body lies speared beside a river? Because he believed no man and no woman is a fool who gives up what they can't keep to gain what they can't lose. Look, folks, you're going to die someday. You can't keep life. You're going to die. And after it, the judgment, and after it, life eternal. So make sure you're not saving your life for yourself. Make sure you're giving it to Christ, either in martyrdom or in everyday martyrdom, because it'll be worth it. You need to have that conversation with yourself. So let's get to the last thought and wrap this up. You've got the call here to deny yourself, the call to debate yourself. Remember the motivations, the reasons for why you're doing it. And then you've got a call to declare yourself quickly. Verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. What did we say a couple of minutes ago? That crucifixion took place in public. Nobody was ever crucified during the night. And they were often crucified at crossroads. In fact, if you go to John 19, you'll see that the Lord Jesus was crucified by a road that people passed by. In fact, his title was written in three languages, which seems to infer that Romans could be passing by, Syrians could be passing by, Jews could be passing by. You see, that's what crucifixion was. It was maximum torture and a maximum spectacle and a maximum deterrent. And so it was done in public to shame the victim and to scare the passerby. And so Jesus, in this final little thought, is telling us, hey, I want you to be like the guy who takes up the crossbeam and walk straight towards his own demise for my sake and the kingdom's sake. But remember, the trade-off is marvelous. The payoff is wonderful. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And remember that this is a commitment that must be public. It must be demonstrable. It must be bold. There's nothing hidden about it or half-measured. There are no secret service agents in the kingdom of God. You will declare yourself your friends will know that you're a disciple because you'll wear it like a badge. You're not going to be sheepish and silent when his name is being blasphemed or his gospel is being attacked or his glory besmirched because if you're not for him, then you're against him. And Jesus infers two things here. To reject the path of suffering and self-denial is to commit spiritual adultery against God. We live in a generation of adulterers and sinners. But if we don't be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
We don't live up to our covenant promises and our commitments made at the moment we trusted him. We become adulterous in the midst of an adulterous generation. I mean, adultery in Isaiah 57, 3 to 13, or Hosea 2, 2 to 6, that's the language of the Old Testament prophets for faithless Israel who were not living out their calling amidst the nations. And then secondly, You've got this idea of the second coming. The Son of Man will also be ashamed of you, if you're ashamed of Him, when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. See, the last time they saw the Lord Jesus, He hung as a spectacle. If they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But they gambled for His clothes as He hung semi-naked, bloodied, beaten. He looked nothing like the King of kings and Lord of lords. But that was the last look the world got of him. But remember what we said, Zechariah 12 to 14, there's coming a day when the world will look upon him whom they pierced, and they will fear. He'll come in power. He'll come in glory. His shame will be reversed. That's why Hebrews 9 talks about Jesus will appear without sin unto salvation. That is, his next coming has nothing to do with sin bearing and shame and humility. His next coming is to do with power, glory, and reigning as king. And if his shame gets reversed, ours gets reversed in it, then you're going to gain the next world. It's now you're going to find life. At that moment, you're going to be glorified in him as he's glorified in you. Read 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 to 12, where Paul says to the Thessalonians, I want to say to you, don't be troubled by those who trouble you because God's going to trouble them when his son comes back. And Jesus is going to be admired in you and you're going to be glorified in him. And we're back to this kind. Take up your cross, deny yourself, don't save your life, don't gain the world, because the second coming will reverse what man holds precious. And that which is eternal and that which is important to God will be important in the end. And folks, that's where we finish up. We must not be ashamed of the one who unashamedly died for us in obedience to the will of the Father. Let's not be secret disciples. Nicodemus came in the night, but when God gets a hold of him, you read in John 19, 38 to 39, he comes and he begs for the body of the Lord Jesus. He who was a secret disciple, along with Joseph of Arimathea, they come out because, you see, they have seen the one who's taken up his cross. And in light of God's demonstrated love toward them, they take up their cross and identify with the crucified one as crucified man. Let's identify with him in baptism, church gatherings, evangelism, and the persecuted church. Before coming to Christ, I was passionate about soccer and would often be found in Belfast on a Saturday watching my team or sometimes traveling abroad to support our country. I'd gone to Old Trafford on several occasions. I'd gone to Anfield in Liverpool. And one particular occasion, I went with several friends to watch Northern Ireland play England at Wembley. There's 100,000 fans. We were outnumbered massively. These were the years when you had a lot of soccer hooliganism and violence associated with British football. And it became apparent to me and some of my friends as we stood in the crowd in London watching the game that towards the end of the game, hundreds of fans began to filter through the crowd in our direction. And it was clear that it was English fans spoiling for a fight. You know, and it was only several hundred of us at this part of the stadium would be overwhelmed. And in an act of self-preservation, I took my scarf off, something I've never done. 
And I'm kind of publicly shaming myself to say that I took my green and white Northern Ireland football scarf off my neck and I stuffed it in my pocket. And if necessary, I could have put on a really good English accent <laughs> just to get out of there. Self-preservation, self-protection. And several of my friends did the same when we slipped out of the crowd. But I'm kind of ashamed of that. But on the other hand, you know, I don't think soccer is worth dying over. <laughs> you know, it's, it's good, but it's not that good. And so, ashamed, took cold feet, let the team down, took my colors off. I'm not proud of that. It's an act of self-preservation. But I want to tell you something. He's worth it. The gospel's worth it. The kingdom of God is worth it. I'll never want to take my colors off. Soccer may not be worth dying for, but the glory of Christ and the glory that awaits those who love him and follow him, that's worth it. Those are the terms and conditions of service within the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, we pause. We want to feel the challenge of this text as it holds our feet to the fire. Is our love for you, is our public witness for you bold, demonstrable, costly? Are we bearing our cross? Or have we bought into a Christianity in which Christ does all the dying? Have we bought into a Christianity where we can have our cake and eat it? We're going to enjoy the American dream and then heaven, and we're going to get by with nodding and winking in your direction and putting a few dollars in the plate or doing a little bit of service here and there. But tireless, cross-bearing, sacrificial, we haven't yet signed up for that. Lord, help us to be challenged. If we don't do it, we're not your disciple. If we're ashamed of you, you'll be ashamed of us. Help us to look past the moment, the glitter of gold, the pleasure of the now. Help us to pray the prayer of Jim Elliot and understand that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Lord, help us to give our lives afresh to you today. Send us where you want. Have us do what you ask. And Lord, the price is irrelevant in the light of your love, in the light of everlasting joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's a powerful conclusion to the message Philip DeCourcy calls Terms and Conditions. You're listening to Know the Truth. Philip is reminding us that there is a cost to following Jesus, but it's worth it. Anything we lose in this life is nothing compared to what we gain in Christ. We're in the middle of the action-packed Gospel of Mark, and you can listen to more messages from the Essential Jesus series when you go online to ktt.org. Have you ever wanted to resign from all the pressures in life? Well, that may just be a nice dream. We can take a time out for some breathing space. In fact, that's something Jesus modeled for us. In his new booklet titled Handling the Pressure, Philip shows how we can imitate Jesus during times of stress by taking a break and spending time in prayer, even delegating some of our responsibilities to others. Philip presents a step-by-step -step process for reducing stress and refreshing our souls for greater service. Request your copy of this thoroughly practical booklet when you give a donation of any size to know the truth. Call 
888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And if you prefer to send your donation by mail, write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Thanks for your generosity and for remembering that Know the Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Now, if you've never contacted us before, we have a special gift for you. It's the CD message that's the companion to Philip's booklet, and it's also titled Handling the Pressure. There's no cost or obligation. Ask for the free Handling the Pressure CD when you call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. We'll send it right out to you. Well, that's all the time we have today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Join us again tomorrow for the first message from Mark chapter 9, right here on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. chapters, over 30,000 verses. No wonder so many of us have never read it cover to cover. Want to do it? Want to read the entire Bible? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com includes Bible in a Year, an interactive plan for reading, learning, and understanding the Bible. Deepen your faith and impact your walk with God one day at a time. Bible in a Year, just one of the new interactive Bible study tools at BibleStudyTools.com. From Pure Flix Entertainment. Eric has suffered a traumatic brain injury. Three families brought together by a crisis of faith. I'm remanding you to the juvenile detention center. Now their faith is all they have left. The only thing me and Teresa have been doing is trusting in the Lord. And look where it's gotten us. Divided by loss. United by faith. All of the answers can be found right there. A question of faith. Rated PG. In theaters Friday. For tickets and more information, visit aquestionoffaith.com. I've been searching. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.